welcome to episode 32 of the Graham Cochran Show, where I'm here to help you build your online business, work less and live and give more. I'm your host, as always, Graham Cochran, honored to spend some time with you today. I kind of want to uh, go on a little old man Graham rant, and I'm not that old, but I'm trying to help you out if you're younger in the journey of starting a business, then that metaphor of me being old will help, right? When we're starting out anything that we wanna do that's new, a new hobby, a new sport, a new skill, a new career, it's always a good idea to look to people who have more experience than you to speak into where you're at and give you wisdom because they've been where you are and they're where you want to be. And so they would be the best people to listen to when it comes to, hey, am I thinking about this correctly? What should I be doing differently? No matter what it is, right? So if you're listening to this, if you're listening to me, hopefully it's because you see me as someone who can impart some wisdom to you. And a lot of business is not just tactics, right? And I know you want tactics. The world wants tactics. Heck, if I gave you more tactics, maybe I'd get even more views and listeners because that's what we eat up is tactics. But And I'm going to give you the tactics, and I do. And last week, we were talking about one of the biggest tactics, right, in tiered pricing. But it's not all tactics. Like, tactics are important, but you have to understand the fundamentals of what leads to success in business. And that's one of the things we got to talk about today. One of the biggest secrets to every great business, big, every great business or every great business that you've never heard of, small mom and pop that have been around for 20, 30 years longer, and it's it's this simple. You start now and you evolve later. That's it. Start now, evolve later. And there's two parts to this, the start now part. Okay, I don't know where you're at, in your business journey. Let's say you haven't started your business yet, but you're you're dipping your toes in the water, as I like to say, and you're, you're listening to me. You're like, oh, this sounds nice. I would like that. Or maybe you're in the beginning of starting, but you could be one of those people who's like, I can't start my business until everything's perfect. And that could mean a lot of different things but that could mean until I have the perfect logo and the perfect name and the perfect website. So when you say perfect, that could be what you're thinking of, presenting perfectly, right? Uh, the perfect Instagram strategy. So I look great on Instagram. That could be your holdup. Or if you're a little more seasoned, you might have figured out that, okay, logo, name, website aren't as important as positioning, messaging, uh, targeting the right people. And so if you're following what I teach, you know that that kind of research is really, really important. Uh, I have a course called Automatic Income Academy. And the entire, there's five core modules with a bunch of, a few videos in each module. But the very first module is all about research and like headspace. Like we don't even get into like building anything or having a website. It's all about research. Why? Because you want to know who your business is for and if there's a market for it and what the messaging should be. So if you've been following me, you know that's important, but you can get lost there too because you're saying, I'm not going to start until I've done all the research. I have all the data points and I have the perfect positioning and I have the perfect content strategy and the perfect product. 
and then you'll never start. So the idea of waiting till everything's ready to start is just going to kill you. The best businesses that I've read about, the best businesses that I know, the business owners personally, and that I've experienced myself, didn't wait till it was perfect. They started now, either by necessity or because they just couldn't wait any longer because they're excited, or they're just not afraid of being messy. You know, there's a great phrase, go ugly early, right? I love that phrase. Go ugly early. You're going to be ugly. You might as well go ugly when nobody knows about you. So if you're dipping your toes in the water and you're thinking about business, I'm not going to spend much time on this topic because the evolve later is really what I want to talk about in today's episode, but you just got to start. Yes, you want to do some research. Yes, you got to figure out what your profitable idea is. If you don't know what your profitable idea is, I want you to go to my passive income workshop. You should go right after this, but the link is grahamcochran.com slash workshop. And if you're watching on YouTube, the link's below. I want you to go watch that because the very first part of that workshop, I talk about how to discover your profitable idea, what ways to research. So you need to do that. So go watch that workshop and do the research. But, and this is the big but, right? You gotta just start at some point. It's not gonna be perfect but you got to start. And the reason why you got to start is that it is actually impossible to have it all figured out at the beginning. And the reason I know it's impossible to have it all figured out at the beginning, no matter who you are or what industry you're in, is for this one simple reason. And that is that things change. Guaranteed. Things just change. So even if you had the perfect research and you were perfect when you started and it was all teed up, that won't last because things change. And that leads me to the second half of the phrase, start now, evolve later. Evolve later, you need to evolve. Now, I hate change. I mean, I like I like change when it's like fun, like let's go to a different restaurant this weekend to change it up or, you know, I like some elements of change, but. I am a creature of habit and routine. And so I like to wake up the same time every day. I like to have coffee the same time every day. I like to read the paper the same time. I like to get my work done on a schedule. I like to know, I, I like routine. It's great for someone like me. And my, the way my brain works, my personality, it gives me the illusion of control, which gives me the illusion of peace, right? You may not feel that way. But I do. And so the thought of like, hey, Graham, you might have a great business idea, but it's going to need to change. That like freaks me out. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? If I got something working, why do I got to change it? Don't fix what's not broken, right? Problem is, is things are going to break. Even if what you're doing is perfect and you're just crushing it, things change in the marketplace. Things change uh, with algorithms. We'll talk about that in a second. And things change with just trends of what people want you change as well. Your ideas evolve and you have to let them evolve and you have to be willing to iterate. And I wanted to give you a couple of examples that hit close to home. And I want to start by talking about my wife. My wife is amazing. Her name's Shay. Um, she is an amazing human being, period. Okay. She's got an amazing business, but even if she didn't, she's an amazing human being, period. But the evolution of Shay's business in its current form is fascinating and a great example of this. She's a classic example of someone who's been willing to iterate and evolve and has 
been rewarded for that willingness and that flexibility. So Shay started out as a wedding and portrait photographer. Okay, so classic service-based business for like eight or nine years. For a long, long time, she was in just portrait photography. She loves photography. It was a good business. She was good at it, had great clientele, but she got bored with it. After doing that for eight years, she was like, I'm sick of going to weddings. I'm sick of listening to all the same songs that the DJs play, that, you know, the reception. I'm sick of giving up my weekends. I'm not as excited about doing portraits or family portraits as I once was. Like we all just, our interests change. And that's a little sub lesson there is that even your interests can change. And that's okay to evolve as a human being. So personally, she was like, hey, I'm just bored with this. And one day she got the idea, what if I could do product photography? I really love when I go to like Home Goods or Target or anywhere and you see a big image of like products being styled on a, you know, whether it's like, a dinner table, it's almost Thanksgiving as I'm thinking about this. So you can have see a lot of like advertisements with a, a dinner table that's set up with food and candles and nice napkins and it's staged, but it's to put a product on display. Maybe it's the food on display. Maybe it's the tableware on display, but someone had to stage this moment to make you think, oh, I wish my Thanksgiving table looked like that. I probably should buy those napkins. You know, whatever it is, that's all someone doing that, staging it which is creative and my wife's creative. And then someone had to take the photo. So my wife was like, why can't I do that? So she just pivoted one day from the next, just pivoted and started doing product styling. So she started with her own stuff in her kitchen and was grabbing food and grabbing products and just taking pictures. But she ended up reaching out to some people um, who she loosely knew and offered to barter. Like, hey, look, I know you have an amazing product. I know you need images for your product. Would you be willing to allow me to take those images of your product and style them for you for free in exchange for just getting some experience and getting the word out. If you like them, if you just tell people how awesome of a job I did. And she got some really good clients early on. Uh, One was really big and that really helped her spread. And so she just changed and evolved what type of photography she was doing and got into working with brands, some really big brands and doing purses and um, candy and products and lotions inside of like boutique hotels in Las Vegas. Like she was doing the styling and branding photography for these businesses, for their homepage hero image, for their catalogs, for their billboards, right? For their social media platforms. She was doing a lot of this, still service-based, but she just evolved. Then one day, One of her customers says, Shay, I can't afford you for this other project. And I love the work you do. But I had this idea, like, I love the way you style things for products. Like, could you just style like a desktop the way you style it, but just leave some negative space in the middle of that image? And I would pay you for the image, um, but then I could superimpose my product in the image and it would look like you shot my product. So I could get the benefit of your styling and your professional photography, but at a much lower cost. And I know it's not custom just for me, but I would pay for that. (laughs) When a customer has an idea of something that you're not doing that they say they would pay for, pay attention. And my wife, fortunately enough, is really smart. And she said, ding, 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 ding. That is a good idea. 
You're basically asking me to create a stock image or a series of stock images that I've styled, but I leave negative space for you as a business owner to superimpose your product. I wonder if other business owners who like my styling would benefit from this. And as she scanned the marketplace, she realized where do business owners go for stock photography? They go to iStock, they go to Getty Images. What's the problem with those images for her market? Well, her market are female business owners that run creative businesses and iStock and Getty Images are primarily, and they certainly were back then, corporate looking images and very masculine. So she saw this hole in the marketplace for an idea she was never intending to do. And she's like, oh, I should create my own little stock shop. So she created another company called the SC Stock Shop, SC for Shea Cochran. She started it on Etsy. Okay, and this was when Etsy was in its infancy. If you don't know what Etsy is, again, it's a website where you can sell your goods or your crafts, your products. It's a marketplace. If you don't have your own website or you don't want your own website, you can be discovered or, oh, I do stationery. Oh, I make candles. Oh, I make handmade signs or do hand lettering or whatever. So Shay started a shop on Etsy for these styled stock images. She almost created an industry of styled stock photography. And she basically would pre-shoot these images, style them, leave negative space for products, and sell the digital downloads. And almost overnight, she created an industry, and more importantly for herself, created a new revenue stream where she had digital product sales. She had a passive income business that she started while she had her service-based business. So she evolved by adding this other product line. And she just was like, well, let's just see where this goes. As the year or two went on, it started to blow up because she could sell to people who would never be able to hire her directly. She could sell to more people at once because it's all digital. It wasn't time-based. It was just product-based. And she started coming up with new ideas of different images she could create. And some were seasonal and some were different color palettes and some were different styles and different propping and different. She just started adding a bunch of images to the shop and did really, really well. Then that evolved to like, I need to have my own store where I can have a little more, you know, control over that. So she created her own Shopify store and, and built it out with her own domain. So she's not on Etsy anymore. Etsy doesn't take a cut anymore. And she can just direct traffic to her own site with her own blog, create her own SEO traffic through Pinterest images, drive traffic, have her own email opt-in, all the things that I do, right, that I teach. And she started doing all of that and selling her own products directly through her, her Shopify store. And that did really, really well. But then she wanted to evolve again. She, she saw the need, like her images are highly stylized, premium props. She spends a lot of money on really high-end things so that these people's images, their products can look like they're not with just cheap target props. Right? She's buying high-end stuff so you can really elevate your brand. And she realized that takes time and that costs a certain amount of money. But sometimes business owners need just quicker, quote-unquote, throwaway images specifically for social media. Like they just need a ton of images, multiple a day, at least one a day. And, and they can't afford to buy some of Shay's high-end images just for social media. That wouldn't be a good use of their resources. So she, and she also felt like it was taking too much of her time to just style these images. She wanted to be able to be creative in a simpler way and create simpler images. And so it dawned on her, like, I need to create a whole nother brand of images that are just for social, social media. So she, she created a brand called Social Squares and trademark the name and everything before it even existed because she's smart like that. And um, the original iteration of that was just another shop uh, that she created 
with social media images that were smaller, they were square, lower resolution, but perfect for social media, simpler design and styling, and much lower price point. But they were still, you buy whatever image you need, a la carte. People said, hey, I want a lot of images. Can I do a subscription? And that was Shay's ultimate dream is to do a subscription of this. So then she thought, well, how do I do a subscription? Here's what I'll do. I'll make it more like a box subscription. So if you've ever gotten a box subscription delivered to your door, like of clothing or food or, you know, your razor blades or whatever it is, you pay a certain amount and you get a box delivered and inside there's a certain amount of things. So Shay created, created a digital stock box is what she called it, where if you subscribe to Social Squares as a subscriber, you pay whatever it was a month. Um, it's like 20, 25 bucks a month and you would get delivered fresh a fresh curation of 30 images every single month that you could use, one for every day of the month for your social media. And so Shay would shoot new images, curate new images, and deliver those images. And people signed up for that, and they liked it. And she started to get recurring revenue. So she's gone from service-based product to digital product to now recurring digital product. But people complained. They said, well, I want to be able to pick my images. I don't use all the ones you send me, which is usually a problem with any kind of box subscription, Right. And so Shay was like, well, I don't have the capability to let you pick your images. I don't have the technology to do that yet. So we had to like cobble together uh, like a, a, a photography sharing platform that wasn't meant for selling anything and uh, a subscription-based plugin on a Squarespace site and cobble them together and create like, hey, if you join and get the subscription, it'll take you to this back end where you can now single download any of the images in the catalog, unlimited um, it's, it's not a subscription that it's a box being delivered. It's like, you just always have access to this ever growing catalog of images. And that was the most recent iteration. Um, and that people went wild for that. The concept made sense. The price point was amazing. She got a lot of subscribers, a lot of members. Um, but the back end was janky. She was using a back end that was just for photographers to display their work to their clients. It wasn't meant for that much bandwidth. The company didn't like Shay. She's spending like 10 bucks a month for this, this, this back end. But there, she wasn't doing anything illegal or wrong. It just was like no one had ever used that product or that tool for what she was using it for. And uh, it was working and she was making a lot of money doing multiple six figures off of this one subscription alone. But for years, she envisioned what this subscription should look like. When you log in, you should be able to do this and have this capability, and it curates these images based off of your brand colors and all these things and remembers your favorites and gives suggestions. And there was no product that she could use, no back-end tool like a Kajabi or something like that that she could use that would do what she wanted. What she envisioned was custom and needed to be custom. And she would even start to talk to website developers who would develop sites. But when she would describe what she wanted, they're like, I don't do that. I can design a custom site for you, but you're basically describing an app. Like WordPress doesn't do that. There are not even any plugins in WordPress that would do what you want it to do. It all needs to be custom. And that was overwhelming to her. And it just took a long time to finally find a developer that could envision what she envisioned and bring it to reality. And I say all that to say because literally this week as I'm recording this, Shay has officially launched her newest iteration, evolved into this newest evolution of Social Squares, where it's a custom site that she's been having developers build for six months. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It does exactly what she wants. It's a better product. It has evolved 
on the technical back end. Oh, not only that, Shay has evolved as a brand. She's brought in other contributors who are taking pictures, not just Shay. So they're not just Shay's images, there's other people. And then she's hired an image curator who handles all of those contributors and sifts through the contributions and decides what's best for the brand and goes out and requests different types of images from different contributors. So Shay doesn't even have to do that. So Shay has moved into more of the slight photographer, mostly CEO role. So the product offering has gotten better in terms of what they're actually getting. And then the backend technology of how they interact with the product has gotten better. It's amazing where it is right now. And I'm so proud of her. And I'm so encouraged for her in the sense that like what she's put in the market is just, it leaps and bounds above, head and shoulders above everybody else. It's phenomenal. It's innovative. But the point for you, and the reason I shared that entire story is because that is not how Social Square started. Social Squares didn't even exist before two years ago. The SC Stock Shop didn't even exist before four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. Every element of the story has been about an evolution. Shay started in 2013 to shift from being a portrait and wedding photographer to doing product styling for brands. She started and she had no clients, no credibility in that space. Nobody knew her, no, no body of work to show what she'd done. She had eight years of, of, a, of a curated portfolio of her best work, but none of that translated to what she was about to do. So she literally had to delete all that off her website. She had to start from zero, but she started and she evolved later. And she's had to evolve also, not just because of the vision she had and what she wanted it to look like. She's had to evolve because. Trends have changed. People's appetites for imagery have changed. The amount of images, the type of images, social media has evolved in the six years she's been doing stock imagery. A lot has changed. She created an industry in a way, and now all these copycat shops evolved over the years that literally, some have literally copied her images, but even the concept, right? She created a little bedroom you know, market that people then have jumped in. And then a lot of those people did really great work and it made Shay have to up her game. So the point is, is she couldn't just stay the same. I don't know if any year of her business in the last six years has been the same. She's had to evolve. But that's how she's winning. That's how she's doing so well. That's the story of my business, The Recording Revolution. I started it in 2009 as a blog off of my freelance site to try to jump up more traffic. So technically, it was a it was a Graham Cochran freelance site with a blog somewhere on it, and I talked about what I was doing in the studio, and then I realized I needed its own brand, and I needed its own URL, so I bought the recordingrevolution.com, and I started blogging there under that branding, uh, and I had no logo. It was just a, it was a free WordPress theme and no logo, and then I realized, you know, I need to shoot videos to show some of what I'm talking about in my written articles. So I started a YouTube channel purely because I needed some video content, right? Uh, and then... I started to launch products. And you know what? The original four or five products weren't that great. They weren't that great. But I kept making products. Said, well, let me try this. Let me try this. I finally started to create some better products that people really wanted. I started to figure out what kind of content people really resonated with. I started to evolve by trying to talk about controversial things and being really opinionated about what I really believed in and seeing what people would think. And I got a lot of response, a lot good and a lot bad, but it drove a lot of traffic. It allowed me to show up higher on Google rankings, to show up higher on YouTube rankings. People started to discover me. I started to get more people signing up for my email list and buying my products. 
And I did a lot of collaborations and I started to show up on other people's things. And I was really hitting my A game in 2014 and 2015. And then 2016 happened and I got real comfortable and I just kind of kept pumping out the same stuff. And things started to dip a little bit, partly because I wasn't innovating, partly though, because in 2016, a lot of algorithm stuff changed on YouTube and on Facebook. So on Facebook, that was when a lot was changing in terms of organic reach disappearing overnight. And now you have to boost your posts to be showing up on Facebook where your followers expect to see you. I'm not even talking about getting new followers. Like I had 100,000 followers on Facebook and from one day to the next, I, all 100,000 would see my posts and the next day it was 13% of those. So 13,000 were seeing my posts unless I paid Mark Zuckerberg to boost it. That was a major shift that I lost a lot of web traffic. I lost a lot of momentum from one day to the next because of the algorithm change on Facebook. Same thing happened on YouTube. That's happening again in 2019. YouTube has changed. I'm seeing it now in the last three months. All that to say, I had to really evolve. So in 2017, I really changed a lot of my content strategy. I got back to a lot of the basics. I had forgotten some of my core stuff that really resonated with my people. And I started to innovate again. I've had to evolve, had to evolve. And I feel like that's happening even now in 2019 going into 2020. Um, I literally was on a call today with my, my marketing director just thinking through like our, you know, what, how's 2019 looked? What is 2020 looking like? Um, and a lot of it is out of our control. A lot of it, like some of the same type of videos I'm doing, I'm getting half the views that I would have gotten because things are changing on YouTube. Um, it once was, if you had a lot of subscribers, the YouTube algorithm would favor you. So I was just, my videos would always be served up above newer channels because, hey, I had eight years of life ahead of you, brother. I have a huge following on YouTube for my niche. So my videos were just shooting up higher. YouTube, from what we can tell, is changing that. They're focusing on engagement over size of lists, which is great for you if you're starting out because now you don't have to be big to get moved up to the top. It's all about engagement and relevancy, which is, is what it should be. All that to say, it's it revealed, hey, some of my content isn't as relevant or as engaging as other people's content that are newer in my space. And they're reaping the rewards and I need to evolve or die. Adapt or die, evolve or die, iterate or die. That's where I've been. It's, it never changes. It's like, I'll get into a rhythm for a year or two, but then I have to reassess and evolve. Same thing with products. I had to refresh a couple of products last year because I had, not because everything was just out of date, but because the way people interact with courses have changed. Online courses have evolved. Like my courses when I started in 2010 and 2011, 2012 are really straightforward. These days, people expect a little bit more, like more in depth on certain things, having like more niche content inside of a vault somewhere to really supplement the core content, having some worksheets and action steps to work through. I mean, I've had to evolve and, and redo some courses and add some new ones that are better because things have just changed. People's expectations have changed. If this sounds exhausting, it is. <laughs> if this sounds exhausting, welcome to business. This is just online business. All business has been this way, right? Apple is one of the most classic recent examples. Apple was a computer company, right? In the 70s and 80s. And they were somewhat innovative in a lot of ways, but 
you know, that's debatable. It, it, you could could be said that a lot of what Steve Jobs innovated with, he stole from Xerox and Microsoft and they stole from each other and whatever. It's fascinating. But Apple was doing well in the 80s. And then, you know, the great story that S- Steve Jobs was fired from his own company and went on to do other things. And then what happened? Apple floundered in the late 80s, the early to mid 90s. Apple fell for the trap of what every computer technology company was doing in the 90s, which was just making a bunch of crap, like have a million products. Like, do you remember Palm Pilots? If you're young, you don't. But Palm Pilots were like the original smartphone. It was like a device that wasn't a phone, but it did everything else. It was like your calendar and it had like note-taking abilities. It's hilarious to think about it now, but it was this device that you could hold in your hands. You didn't need your laptop. You have your Palm Pilot. Anyway, Apple had their own version of that. Apple had a fax machine. I mean, come on. How, what, what is, if you think about what is like one of the dumbest devices in modern history, the fax machine? It was really powerful when it came out, but like, really? Are we still using fax machines? Apple had a fax machine. And Steve Jobs comes back in 1997. They beg him to come back to, as CEO to resurrect the brand because it's dying. It's dying. You've got the Mac still selling well to its to the education market where they really had infiltrated and then to the diehard creatives, but it was dying. And Steve Jobs comes in and, and says, we have to evolve. We have to evolve. Part of it was looking at the product line and realizing we're all over the place. We got to get back to our core thing. And he said, let's get rid of all these products and let's just have four products, a consumer laptop and a professional laptop, a consumer desktop and a professional desktop. So you had the iBook and the PowerBook and you had the iMac and the Power Mac, right? And the names evolved to MacBooks and Mac Pro and all those different things. And, but that was that was it. It was like, oh, great. It was four products. That's what we're going to do. Um, and then they they innovated by looking at like, look, we need to get into the music space. Digital music is huge. This is like in the early 2000s. We need a, a MP3 player, but we need to make it not cumbersome. So they invented the iPod. Again, the iPod was not innovative in the sense that nobody had done an MP3 player before. There was plenty of MP3 players, but it was the iPod was easier to operate integrated beautifully with software, aka iTunes, integrated beautifully with your Mac. They created an ecosystem where it was like effortless to buy music and have it show up on your iPod, put in your headphones and go. And that that changed the course of Apple. They started getting so much money, more people buying Macs because of the iPod. This is before the phone. I'm talking way before the iPhone. Obviously, the iPhone changed the game, but it was already changed. It was evolve or die, evolve or die. Same thing with the phone. They're like, dude, we need to get into the phone space and we have to do this well. And they even dropped the name computer from their name. They used to be called Apple Computer. Now they're just Apple. They realized we can't be just a computer company. We're a technology company. And, and then the phone can't be enough. We got to get into software and we got to get into you know, TV, and now they're getting into streaming services. I mean, Apple, they haven't always knocked it out of the park, but you can see the writing on the wall. They're, they understand they need to evolve. And they'll go through seasons where they're resting on their laurels, like they're just selling iPhones. We'll just make a new iPhone every year and make money. And, and they're printing money, yes, but they can only last but for so long, and they've had to evolve, and they're having to think ahead. We all have to evolve. Microsoft has had to evolve, right? Microsoft Windows was like... The, installed on every PC on planet Earth. And like, so they were by default the operating system, but they realized they have to evolve. They've been really focused on a couple areas from, I don't even use Microsoft products, but cloud computing is huge for them, right? I think Microsoft, I just read in the news, they just won the contract um, 
for the U.S. government to be the cloud computing. They won that bid to be the cloud computing brand for the U.S. government uh, as opposed to Amazon. It was Amazon and Microsoft fighting for this massive $10 billion um, project or bid, and Microsoft beat them out, partly because Donald Trump doesn't like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> so it was personal. But like, they're big into cloud computing and they've been pumping out the Surface and the Surface Pro. So they got big into tablets. Like we need to have our own hardware. You know, we can't bank on Dell and Compaq and HP and all these computer brands. We need to have our own hardware. So they, they've, they've had to evolve. It can't just bank on, on being Windows and like that being on everything. And they tried the Windows phone and I don't know if anybody still uses that anymore. That didn't do well, but they've evolved into a cloud computing company and a hardware company with a Surface and Surface Pro and they're going hard at it, right? I don't know if they're selling a lot. I think they are. I see it everywhere. So they're trying to evolve there. Same thing with Amazon. Amazon was a bookstore, an online bookstore. And then they're like, dude, we got to evolve and have all kinds of products. And then we got to evolve by having Two things, one, AWS, which is like their cloud computing and they're renting servers and storage to small business owners like me. And it's not very public to the outside world. Consumers don't really see it, but Amazon servers are underneath almost every company that you're interacting with online. So they're getting, they're renting out their server space. It's brilliant. So they're making a ton of money by evolving to be like a server renting and cloud computing uh, company. But you don't think about that as a consumer. They also evolved into empowering small business owners to like have your own Amazon shop and sell your own stuff. And we've got the traffic, you've got the products and we'll just take a cut. Super smart way to evolve. They buy up other companies like Zappos and Whole Foods to evolve, right? Like they created their own hardware devices, the Kindle, which makes total sense. They can sell eBooks and have their own eBook store. I mean, they're creating their own ecosystem there. They had some flops like the Fire Phone, which I make fun of a lot because it just, I don't know what they were thinking that they could do there, but that that flopped. And then the Amazon Echo came out and I totally made fun of that when that came out. I was like, no one's ever gonna use it. And they tried to position it as a tool for like voice command ordering your crap. If you go back in time and look at all the Amazon Echo commercials when they launched, it was Alexa, like you'd be like cooking dinner and you'd be burning something and be like, Alexa, order pizza. You know, like your hands are tied, Alexa can order you some pizza. It would be like, you know, your girlfriend's pissed off at you. You did something stupid. And so the man's like, got his hands full. He's like, Alexa, order flowers and deliver to Shelly or whatever. It was all positioned as voice command, buying your stuff. Alexa, reorder some Tide detergent from my washing machine. And I said, that's never going to catch on. And in a way, I was right. That never caught on. People aren't like using their Echo devices to buy stuff as the primary reason. It really caught on when people realized they can control their music, can control their TV. They're like that sort of integrated smart home thing, the Amazon Echo is now way more helpful because you can get it as a music player and as a what's the weather and what's the news and like tell me the football scores. Like it's not for buying crap, which is what Amazon I think originally wanted it to be but people are eating up these devices because they enjoy the connectivity and the power it gives them. So again, Amazon is evolving with what products to offer and then even how to position their products. Uh, it's genius. And so the whole point is that the one thing you can count on remaining the same is that everything changes. And if you're in business, you need to start now because you'll never be ready and someone else is starting now, so you might as well start. And it's okay if it's a mess, 
But hey, if you hit some success and you're kicking butt and you're finding your wheelhouse, let me be the older, wiser brother, hopefully wiser. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I'm a few steps ahead of you if you're starting out to say, hey, look, be prepared for things to need to change. And someone like me hates that. I, I hate to have to tell you that. But I, I, and I hate the fact that I have to continue to evolve. This brand is, the Graham Cochran brand has evolved. It's only two years old as of this recording, but I've evolved a lot in those two years. I was doing shorter videos and then I jumped into doing a podcast because everyone kept asking for it. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do a podcast. I'm not, not going to do it. But you kept asking for it. Now, some of you don't like the podcast and you're like, why, why are you doing a podcast now? I mean, you can't make everybody happy, but I, I had to listen to trends. I had to evolve. There's also other things I wanted to be able to share that made more sense in a long format podcast. But I've evolved in terms of what the product offering is. I've had a product launch that didn't do as well as I thought. And I realized the positioning was wrong. I needed to actually position it better into this product. And so I, I, I'm evolving. We're always evolving. That's one of the only constants. So if you can understand this secret, I think what it does for you is it unlocks a lot of potential. Don't get stubborn because you don't want to change because you're just going to only crash and burn. If you're willing to evolve and willing to iterate, either out of responding to changing in the marketplace or because you have a vision, but you can't quite get there yet, so you need to start with one iteration of that vision, if you're willing to evolve, you will always be in business, always, because it's all about adding value to people and as long as you can find what people find valuable and what's changing and what the marketplace is giving you, you can evolve with it and still stay, re stay relevant because you're still in the business of serving people. So it's going to change. The way your business is right now is going to change in six months, in 12 months. That's okay. In fact, that's probably smart. That's the secret to starting a business that's going to have longevity is to be willing to evolve and to change and to change when it makes sense for you because your interests change or your needs change or your life season changes and change when it makes sense for your customers and change when it makes sense for the technology and the tools because all of those things are in flux. Make sense? Now, before we go, one thing I have for you is a question, and that is, if you are brand new and haven't started, why are you waiting? What is the one thing, there's probably a lot, but what is the one thing that is getting in the way of you starting now? You just need to figure that out. What's the thing that's holding you from starting now and then you need to acknowledge it and then realize it's an excuse and you need to start your business, okay? And if you don't know how to start or where to start or you want to start strategically, watch my passive income workshop where I teach you how to create an automatic income stream that's bringing in $1,000 a month automatically with just 30 minutes a day of work, okay? This is all tactics. It's all strategy. It's hard teaching. Go watch it for free at grahamcochran.com slash workshop and get motivated and take action. That's your next step. That's your homework is to watch it and then do it because that's what's going to lead to money in your pocket six months from now, 12 months from now. If you're the business owner that is in business, has been in business for a year, two, five, 10, like me, what is one area that you have to be honest with yourself that you need to evolve in? What's one thing that really needs to change? Is it your positioning? Is it a product offering? Is it your content publicly? Has your audience shifted? Is there technology thing that's holding you back? 
what is the one thing that you need to let evolve in your business that if you're honest with yourself, you're being stubborn about and you're holding on to because you don't want to change. It's worked in the past. Hey, I'm, I'm with you. I'm there. I've been there. It sucks. I hate having to change. But what's the one thing that you need to evolve and let evolve in your business? All right. Hopefully that gives you something to think about. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you're on YouTube, give me a like or subscribe. It really helps me out. It means a lot. And if you're listening on iTunes, leave me a review. That really helps me out a lot. It means a ton. Appreciate your time. I'm rooting for you. Start now, evolve later, and you will be in business for a long time to come. I'll see you on another episode real soon. Hold up. 